by which your food we walk in obedience, by your food which we are able to have guidance in our life. So we thank you for this food that we are about to receive. May it strengthen us and you be glorified by what it does to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Anna Power says, and I quote, failure, we all come in contact with it. Failure, we all come in contact with failure. And more often than not, we dread the fact, even thinking about that we may fail at something, at anything. As a society, let's face it, that we see failure as detrimental to our success. That our hopes is that we could live our life going from point A to point B without ever, ever having failed. And we think without having that failure, then that is what true success is. And that's me, that's not her. But she goes on to say, ever since we were young, we are taught to avoid failure. In school, we aim to get A's. Uh, so that we can get into a good university or get a good job offer after college. We avoid getting F's like the plague because that would mean what? That we failed at something. As a matter of fact, she goes on to say in the letter grading system, F is the only letter grade which corresponds to the first letter of what it stands for. Failure. End quote. Elijah was a prophet of the Lord who faithfully and obedient followed God. Among his many exploits, Elijah withstood the threats of Ahab, refusing to bow down to the pressure of a king whose own leadership had been compromised by unfaithfulness and self-interest. As a man of God, Elijah not only came face to face with the prophets of Baal, all by his lonesome, but Elijah also uh, caused the rain to stop, thereby causing a drought in the land. Elijah did this. After the the drought he accurately predicted without satellites, without radar. He accurately predicted when the rain would return, all because of his close relationship with God. And it returned because he prayed. These are some of his activities, which point to some of the tremendous highs he had in his ministry as he stood strong in the name of the Lord. You know, there's nothing like firing on all cylinders. Have you ever been there before? When everything is just working out right and, and everything is good, right? Firing on all cylinders, right? There's nothing like that. When everything is going well and you know that you are and will accomplish quite a bit in life. Our resumes are full 
Nothing seems like it can stop that forward momentum of synergy produced in us when we are together with the Lord. But what happens after we have done all we think we can do and then our schedules are packed. And then what happens? New work appears on the horizon. What happens? In other words, how much is too much? How much can you handle? From time to time, we must face a tipping point. That tipping point, it reveals whether or not if we are balanced in our life, because that one more thing on this hand will tip us to the left. But the one more thing on the other hand will tip us to the right. It is like that proverbial straw that broke the camel's back, right? He can handle hundreds and thousands of straws on his back, but then there comes a time when one more itty-bitty straw is enough to break the camel's back. Sometimes it feels like you're walking on a tightrope. Slightest wind, just even talking, Slightest pressure will cause us to fall. So where is that tipping point for you? Where is that tipping point for you? When you're faced with it, what happens? Well, today, we're going to walk through a passage of scripture where Elijah has had many victories in his prophetic career. Nothing seems like it can stop him. Yes, he was firing on all cylinders. Then, then something happens. First Kings, first Kings chapter 19. What can stop a man of God? What can stop a man of God? As a matter of fact, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 22. 1 Kings 18, verse 22. The passage, it reads like this. It says, Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. You know, you can stand strong and even alone when you have God on your side. Amen? You know, if God is for me, then what? Who can be against me? So uh, we can do a lot all by our lonesome as long as God is on our side. So God, he sends Elijah to confront not only the prophets of Baal, we saw that 450 men, uh, but also uh, Elijah had to confront the people of God. Elijah's main concern was really not the prophets of Baal. His main concern was God's people. You see, they were going back and forth, 
left and right, trying to decide, shall we follow Baal or shall we follow Yahweh? Shall we follow the Lord? Oh, this day is good to be with Baal, but you know what? No, we better go back here uh, to, uh, to the Lord, uh, Baal the Lord. So uh, they couldn't make up their spiritual mind. They could not make up their spiritual mind. 1 Kings 18, verse 21. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. What happens when you ask someone a question and then they say nothing? What happens when you ask someone a question, you know, either do this or that? What are you going to do? And you know in your heart, if they can't make up their mind, that means that uh, you are getting equal play with the opposite opinion. So Elijah, he tells the people of God, he's not talking to the prophets of Baal because he, he already knows the prophets of Baal are sellouts. He already knows that. So he was talking to God's people. And what was he saying? He says, how long shall you limp, go on limp? What in the world would he mean limp? But what it meant was that, you see, the prophets of Baal, when they worshiped their God, you know what they were doing? They were limping around, worshiping their God. You see, it was a double entendre there. They were limping before their gods as they worship him. And so, so the prophet Elijah says, how long shall you go on limping between two opinions? The King James Version says, how long shall you halt between two opinions? If Baal is God, then you follow that sucker. But if Yahweh is God, then you follow him. God's people were limping back and forth between Baal and the Lord God trying to decide who they're going to follow like an oscillating fan. Eventually, God wins over. Can you say amen? God, he wins over uh, the pro false prophets and Elijah has all of Baal's prophets executed. Those 450 men, Elijah has them all executed. Longer story than that than we have time to deal with right now. But just know uh, that he had all of them executed because God prevails in that situation. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great high spiritual victory because here you stand alone before the prophet of Baal and then the children of Israel all by yourself and you win? Isn't that tremendous? You actually win against all odds? Who would have bet on Elijah in the natural? No one. Who would have bet on Elijah in the spiritual? Would you have bet on him? I'm not sure. Like, Elijah, you're like by yourself. Like you got a tank, you got nuclear weapon. How are you going to fight against 450 men then all the children? How are you going to do that? But he prevailed. So I can see now 
that Elijah was on a spiritual high. That's right. That's, that's the God I serve. Then, can you say then? Then this news travels back to King Ahab's wife. You know who she is, right? Her name is Jezebel. And it enrages Jezebel because she's the real authority behind King Ahab's throne. Uh, she's authority. It should have been Ahab, uh, you see, but he had uh, given up his rule of authority to his wife. So now 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. It says what? It says uh, Ahab, now Ahab, he heard about all this stuff that Elijah had, doing, had done, and then what did King Ahab do? He went to his wife. Hey, mama, mama, mama. No, he didn't say mama, right? He, he went and ran and told his wife, look at, look at what Elijah did. He killed all our prophets. And he, he's the one that made it stop raining. Then he made it start raining again. And now those children of Israel, they don't even want to follow me. Can you believe this, Jezebel? Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then uh, Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, okay, so may the gods do to me and more also if you do not make your life as the life, if, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes women have a, a way with words. You know, uh, guys, you know, sometimes, you know, we can be really simple. Yeah, okay, I don't care. Well, whatever, whatever. And then, and then your wife or your woman comes to you, well, who do you think you are? You think you're sitting up there, so on and so forth, so on and so forth, and then so on and so forth, and then you're like, okay, and so on and so forth, so on and so forth. So uh, Ahab goes, look, mom, I mean, look, look, honey, I, I, I'm trying to tell you what's going on. This is going on. And then Jezebel, okay, uh, you go, y'all send a message to Elijah, tell him, I, I'm going to get you, sucker. That's all she says, in essence. So if you want to know who's running the show, then know it's Jezebel's running the show. She, listen to what I'm saying, right? Uh, she was a strong-willed, amen, but listen to this, a strong-willed, demonically influenced, so there's nothing, you can have a woman that's strong, it's not Russell, ladies, right? Don't think I'm talking about you unless you are Jezebel. If you're a Jezebel, then yeah, I'm talking about you, all right? Let's get that out of the way. All right, whatever, it's done, right? So she was a strong-willed woman, but she was demonically influenced. So she was influenced by the devil. You hear what I'm saying? So she had the strong will, but also influenced by the devil at the same time. And this is one of the reasons she was able to overcome what King Ahab was doing. And obviously, King Ahab did not have a relationship with God. So if you have a man with no relationship with God, if you have a woman who's strong will and demonically influenced, who do you think is going to run things? Who do you think is going to run your house? 
She is where we get our understanding of what it means to be a Jezebel. Uh, here is the roots of a Jezebel. Oh, you ain't nothing but a Jezebel. Nothing good is ever said when Jezebel's name is mentioned. As you look at Jezebel's name in scripture. Nothing good is ever said of this woman. Uh, even from the very first time that she is introduced on the scene, that something bad is said about her. So spiritually, King Ahab had serious problems as he continued to rule unfaithfully before the Lord because he was following his wife who did not know God. He listened to his wife before he listened to the Lord. And we all know that this is problematic in any relationship that's supposed to be built upon the principles of Scripture. But make sure you know when the Lord is speaking, however, men, amen? Uh, don't, don't say that your woman is a Jezebel when you don't even go to church, amen? Don't, don't sit up there and, and talk that garbage saying what your wife, how your wife needs to follow scripture when you're out doing all kinds of stuff, amen? Right? Don't, don't bring that. Make sure that your relationship is right with God. Uh, but if you are a lady, don't be a Jezebel either. So now word it goes to the grapevine and Elijah finally gets this word about this one woman, Jezebel, King Ahab's wife, the real ruler, right? She's the real power behind the throne. Uh, Elijah hears this message from Jezebel. And what does he do? He says, I tell her I dare her. Tell her, you come on, I just killed 450 prophets of Baal. I made the rain stop. I made the rain come back. I can, I can do all kinds. I can raise the dead, or you name it. And you got this one word, you tell, you tell Jezebel, come on and try if you think you're bad enough. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. 1 Kings 19, verse 3. Can you say ouch? I'll try it again. Can you say ouch? First Kings 19, verse 3. Then he was what? Afraid. Then he was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Ouch. Elijah was so afraid that he ran to, you know, Jezebel must have been a bad mama jama. And I'm not talking about in a good way. I'm talking about in a bad way. Jezebel was, she must have been bad of the bad. You know, what is it about our previous successes which causes us to threat the possibility of, uh, of, of, of a good future. You know, some of you have had a tough year. Some of you have uh, had an exhausting year. For some of you, even though we are at the end of the year in just a few days from now, your year is still going on strong right now. After a great run against the prophets of Baal, Something has happened to the mindset of Elijah. Although uh, 
we need Elijah to tell us what exactly went on in his mind, we can gather more information through Scripture. So we're looking at his life in Scripture. It says that he was hardworking. He was hardworking for the Lord God as God allowed him to operate in the Spirit to accomplish his kingdom agenda. He operated in the power of God to perform miracles. Through the Lord, he provided endless food for the widow Zarephath. And her son, who she was a single parent, and they only had one more meal that they were going to eat, and then they were going to die. Elijah showed up and gave them food after food after food, day after day after day. And they thought they had one meal left, and they thought they were going to die. And that woman's son, he also raised him from the dead. So what are you doing here? What are you doing here? 1 Kings 19, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. <laughs> and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. It's very interesting. A lot of times in scripture, when you see uh, someone, when it says, when they lay down and slept, typically it says, and they lay down or they slept with their fathers, which means that they died. So for Elijah, this woman, he, she said what she said, and he began to die spiritually. He began to die spiritually inside. So what was going on with him? Looking at the actions of Elijah, you look at him carefully, it looks like he had signs of depression. You realize that? Elijah was, well, what are some of the things that he was doing. Well, it says, one, he sat around doing nothing as if he was not even motivated. He wanted to die. After all he had done, he still thought he was a failure. He just wanted to sleep, 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 and sleep more. Doesn't that sound like a depressed person to you? Yeah, I was really curious and I went to a very reliable source about some of the clinical signs of depression. And this is what it said, a very super reliable source. This is what it says. These are some of the things. Not all, but some, but actually most of them. Trouble concentrating. And I am quoting, by the way. Worthlessness. Helplessness. Pessimism. Sleeping too much. Persistent, sad, or empty feelings. Suicidal thoughts. There are other signs, but doesn't that sound just like Elijah? That after he was riding high, now he's down in the gutter, almost in a depressive state. So even with God's power and authority, it is still possible to be a flawed individual. 
You can ride as high spiritually as you want to. You may have had a great year, but then when it's all over, you can look at yourself in the mirror and realize I'm no better than anyone else. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, we are all flawed individuals. Saved by the grace of God, yes, we are all uh, crackpots. But had it not been for the Lord Jesus on my side, on our side, where would we be? Have you ever felt like Elijah before? Listen to me. Have you ever felt like that before, right? Can't concentrate. You're always tired. You felt worthless, helpless. You felt very, uh, you're a pessimist. You're sleeping too much. You have sad and empty feelings inside, right? And sometimes you even want to, you're, you're thinking about taking your own life. Especially, interesting, because this happens a lot, even more so around uh, some of the holiday seasons to a greater degree. Sometimes even with people around, you can feel your loneliness just comes up, the depression. And I want to tell you, if this sounds like you, I want to encourage you to talk with someone right away. Amen? I want to encourage you to talk to a pastor, a counselor, a friend, somebody. Uh, you need to talk to someone uh, just to encourage you, uh, to get you, uh, to, to get uplifted, to help you put, put you on the right track in life. But what are you doing where you are? How did you arrive here and why do you remain here? In no uncertain terms, Elijah, Elijah just asked the same question as he found a cave and decided to hang out in it. 1 Kings 19 verse 7. And an angel of the Lord came again a second time. And touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing in your cave? Have you ever just wanted to go and hide in a cave? Well, some of you, you probably don't even know what a cave is. But it could be your closet. Could be a room. Could be, I mean, I'm just going to get in my car and drive, and I'm just going to park, and I'm just going to stare in the woods. Hmm. Have you ever just wanted to get away from everyone and everything because you just felt tired? You felt, you know what, I've done everything that I know to do, and this is it. When you are pulled in many directions at once, the one thing you want to do is just get away from it all. You want to be near your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your children. You don't want to see anyone. You don't want to talk to anyone because now you have a cave mentality. You have that cave.
cave mentality. You don't want to be around people. But when they do come around, what happens to you? You snap. You snap. And then everyone is asking, what's wrong with you? You're irritable. And guess what? Irritability is also a sign of depression. Nobody understands what's wrong with you, and no one uh, has ever seen you like this before. But the cave mentality, everything and everyone seems wrong. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to do this. But also with this mentality, you can make some really bad decisions. There are no cooling off periods for you because you have made up your mind once and for all. And fast that, you don't want to hear anything else. You're not trying to see anyone and you're not trying to listen to anyone. That cave mentality pervades other relationships as well. And this is that point when husbands don't want to be with their wives and wives don't want to be with their husbands and sometimes parents don't even want to see their children. Just get out of here. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. Just give me a break. I used to tell you all the time, my, my mother used to always say, the only time I get some, some peace in my life is when I go to work. And for a long time, I didn't understand why she would say that. I, I could never understand why my mother said that all the time. Only time I get peace is when I go to work. I'm like, wait a minute. And as a kid, I'm listening to this. I'm like, because when you go to work, you're doing this, you're doing that. They're telling you what to do, this, that, and the other. Wouldn't it be better to be at home? But what I didn't realize, she was talking about us. Ouch. Sometimes people walk off their jobs for some of these same reasons because that cave mentality. So what was Elijah's reply, right? To the reason why, what are you doing here, right? Why are you here? What was his reasoning, his rationale for being in the cave? Verse 10, 1 Kings 19. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Notice that Elijah mentions himself four or five times in one verse. He says, I have been very jealous. And he says, and I. And then he says, even I only. And then he says, my life, right? To take it, what is it? That's my life away. So he's mentioning himself about four or five times just in this one verse and his response to what God is saying. But remember this. Remember this. 1 Kings 18.22. This is what Elijah told the people of God when he faced the false prophets. He says, only I, I'm, I'm alone standing here ready to stand up for God. Now, do you see that parallel? The very thing you find as a strength can also be the very thing which is your greatest weakness. The one thing that you find as a strength in your life can be the one thing can be your very or your greatest weakness. For instance, you may be the best leader in your company because you are all about extreme excellence at all costs, but nobody likes you. So your leadership, your extreme excellence in leadership has caused you not to have good relationships in your life. 
Yes, you're doing an excellent job, but somehow your style of leadership has made you weak as a leader as well. Elijah thought he was the only one standing up for the Lord. No, there are always ways uh, other people uh, working hard just like you, even though you may not know about them. You may think you're the only one working for the Lord, doing this, that, and the other, but there are other people. But when we get in the binds like Elijah had, how do we feel? It's about us. It's about our troubles. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen, right? Uh, it's all about me. It's sometimes hard to think past what the Lord is trying to do through us because we are always thinking about what's happening to us. Again, remember, Elijah fell into this mindset after great moments of what spiritual victory? And then one threat by one woman threw his whole game off. Can you believe that, guys? One threat by one woman, not a whole gang of them. One woman threatened him, and he went running. Jezebel was that straw that broke the camel's back, and I submit to you today that it wasn't her threat that did it. it was, she was just part of the whole thing that was already happening inside his heart. So again, it was not that one individual situation, but having to sustain ministry day after day, having to sustain your jobs day after day, having to sustain your schoolwork day after day can cause you to compromise. It'll be that one straw that will break your back and you will finally say, you know what? I just give. I'm tired. Have you ever been there before? You just, you know what? I don't even, have you ever said it to yourself, I don't even care anymore. I just, you know what? I, I, I don't even care. I don't even care. Cave mentality. Elijah did much for the Lord. And Jezebel wasn't even scared. Elijah did all that for God, and Jezebel was not afraid. So what was empowering her, it was the demonic influence. Because if I seen someone do all that, I said, you know, let me leave him alone. If I seen you do all that, the last person I'm going to pick a fight with is you. I'm not going to pick a fight with you after you kill 450 people all by yourself. You had help. You instructed them, but you, you stood strong after you had, had changed the opinion of an entire nation by one encounter. There's no way in the world that I'm going to pick a fight with you, but Jezebel picked a fight with Elijah. There was something inside of her. She said, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you're standing for right now that I'm going to get you. What have you accomplished over the course of the year? Then at the end of the year, does it feel like it was in, all in vain? Think about your year. What have you accomplished? Are you tired? Are you sick and tired? This is especially true when progress is slow and sometimes life just feels like it goes in reverse. You know, 
But I mean, you take one step forward, then here you go, taking two steps back. You take one giant leap forward, oh, finally, then a new situation comes on, just, oh, no, you come on back here. And eventually, you just get so tired of pulling. You get so tired of pulling. Throw your hands up in the air. So, you know what? Whatever. You think to yourself, by now, my children should know this. But by now, things should have improved on my job. But by now, my relationship should have gotten better. And every time we think to ourselves, by now, uh, we move further into the abyss of hopelessness, wanting to give up and go hide in a cave. Elijah thought he was all alone. Elijah could have written this poem by Samuel Coleridge, which says this, alone, alone, all, all alone, alone on the whole wide sea and never a saint took pity on me my soul in agony I could hear Elijah saying that so what are you doing here how did you get here and why are you staying where you are these are not questions of purpose or questions about some mode of transportation these are questions about your spiritual condition. These are questions about your relationship with God. These are questions about how you have processed life this year with the Lord by your side. These are questions about who sustains you. And was it the Lord who gave you strength yet one more time? Like a person who is exhausted with no energy remaining, Elijah was fed up He was so tired that he could not go shopping and he couldn't even cook for himself. You're like, what? First Kings 19, verse 5 and 8. 5 through 8. <clears throat> and he lay down and slept under the broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to whore up the mount of God. So, so Elijah was not even cooking for himself. He was not even shopping. God had to provide for him. Have you been in that place? You don't want to cook. You don't want to shop. You don't want to wash. Oh, yeah, right. Yuck. Right? Uh, but God says, get up. It's time to get up. Why are you still in your PJs? Christmas is over. Your vacation is over. Get up. Brush your teeth. Get out of the house. Pray before me. God is saying, face it. We all finally made it through this year. Because of the love and the care of the Lord for us. That's why we made it, folks. It wasn't easy. And some of you know it was not easy.
Sometimes stuff can just drive you nuts if you let it, amen? I don't care what it is. Don't let it drive you nuts, but you get out of that cave mentality. Don't feel sorry for yourself, but you move forward in the strength of the Lord. Can you say amen? As life continues to get more and more complex, we are faced with more and more decisions as to how much time we should spend with God. Technology should have made it easier, right? But what has happened with technology, even though it has uh, caused some things to become a lot easier in our life, what we now do is we now put more things in a smaller amount of time. So instead of having like four things to do over the course of, let's say, eight hours, now you have 30 things to do over the course of eight hours. And the thing that's making us so tired, before we were focusing on four things, now we're focusing on 30 things. Every time you turn around, do this. No, now you got to do this. Oh, now this popped up. Oh, and now I got to go over here and do this. Oh, this person called. Okay, but let me put it on my schedule. Oh, my outlook now. This has popped up. Okay, let me look at my watch now, right? And my watch says do this. Okay, now my phone says do this. Sit down on the computer. The computer says do this. I got this assignment due. I got that assignment due. So what's happening now, everything is all smashed together. We're making a million decisions at the same time. That's what's going on. I used to wonder when I was teaching uh, elementary school why I was always, always so tired when I taught these kids. I mean, it was, I was teaching uh, uh, for uh, a period of time. I taught first graders. Can you imagine me with first graders? They love me, by the way, just in case you're wondering. They, they love me. I want you to know that. They didn't like me at first. None of my students liked me at first. But at the end, they, 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 they loved me. And... Uh, and it was, and I couldn't figure out why was I so tired. The reason I was so tired is because imagine a bunch of uh, oh, six or seven, whatever, whatever age they are, I can't remember now, seven-year-olds, you know, asking you questions all day long. Oh, Mr. Spencer, so-and-so, so, okay, all right, we do this. Oh, Mr. Spencer, so-and-so, can you imagine that? Five hours, Mr. Spencer, Mr. Spencer, Mr. Spencer, so-and-so. Okay, and if you do this, Mr. Spencer, can I do this? Mr. Spencer, all day long. You see, the more things you have to focus on, the more individual things, it drains more of your energy. And this is what technology does. This makes life more exhausting and more unstable. What are you doing here? You've had the highs in life. Why are you in a cave now? Why are you hiding? Aren't you exhausted yet? What will it finally take to move you out of that cave? Brothers and sisters, it's time to get out of the cave. No, you're not going to do it in your own strength but you're going to do it in the strength of the Lord. In fact, you get where you are because of God anyway. It wasn't because of you. It wasn't because of your smart. It's because how God has gifted you. It's because how he has watched out after you and protected you all along the way. You think you walked into your boss's office all by your bad self. Don't you know the Holy Spirit was already there before you got there? That's why you got favor before God. So you better give praise where praise is due. So as God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. 
Stop beating that dead horse that's going to make you more and more depressed. And you live and you walk in the victory of God. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray.